0: Welcome, everyone, to Doha ve'etorah daf Yomi Shiur. Today's Shiur is daf Lamed Aleph. We will begin on Lamed Aleph Amul Aleph at the Tanu on top of the page. Says the Gemara, Tanu Rabbanan, suka gizula, a stolen suka, la mesakech bereshut or a guy who puts skach in reshut ha-rabim, in property that's not his. So the, the property is, he doesn't own the property, but he puts Gach there anyway. Mm-hmm. The question is, are you Yosef? We have Machloket Tanaim, right? Rebbe Ezel Tosell, HaChamim Machshim. And the Rabbis are allowing. I'm um, Nachman. Rav Nachman says, Machloket, the Machloket, that we have Tanaim, that we have between Rebbe Ezel HaChamim, that's in a particular case, B'Shirt Tokevet Chaviru L'Atsyum M'shukatoh. Where, Uh, Jew A saw Jew B sitting in his sukkah. He throws Jew B out of the sukkah and he sits in that sukkah. That's called sukkah gizula. And the reason why you're not Yotzeh when you threw him out of the sukkah If you throw your friend out of the sukkah then since it's attached to the karka, since your sukkah is attached to the karka, and your sukkah is on the land of your friend, so let's say Mister B has his sukkah in his backyard. A comes to B's backyard, kicks B out of his sukkah in his backyard, says "Get out of here," and B runs away for his life. And A sits in the sukkah, makes a l'chayim basukah. Now the question is like this: According to the answer, business is listen. You can't steal land, so it's still B's land. And since it's still B's land, you're really borrowing it without permission. It's still his thing. Right? And since your holds that you can't be Yotze in someone else's Sukkah, that was the famous opinion of Yubil we had last time, that's why he says he's not Yotze. and if you hold karka is an Sukkah then it's a stolen Sukkah. karka and an and if you hold Kaka cannot be stolen, then Sukkah Shi'olahi, then it's a borrowed Sukkah, and either way, it's no good. If it's stolen or if it's uh, borrowed, Rabbi Leza will not let He needs you to sit in your own Sukkah. Rabbi Rabbanalus, they hold, Adam they hold you can be Yosef with your friend Sukkah karka ain't an exiled, and the karka can't be stolen, so therefore, your sukkah, which is attached to the ground, is part of the karka, which still belongs to Mr. B. V'sukah sukkah, aval gazal etsim v'sikech bahem. but if you would have stolen wood, and you put it on your own sukkah, let's use you stole bamboo to put on your sukkah. Everyone holds that all you get is the dame etsim, which means that if I go to Mr. C, and I... He buys some bamboo from the store, and I go to his backyard and steal the bamboo and put it on my sukkah. Or he buys mats, and I steal his mat and put it on my sukkah. Everyone agrees that the sukkah, that the mitzvah belongs to A. A did the mitzvah, he did the of stealing, but he also did the mitzvah of sukkah. And C is only entitled to the value of the bamboo, but he's not entitled to take away anything, he can't take away the skach, all he gets is the value of the skach and the reason why he's Rashi explains because since you took his wood and you made a sukkah out of it, therefore you changed it it became skach now and now it's yours and you just owe the value, of course the value C is entitled to the value there's also something called takanat shavim and therefore, means that if a person steals bricks and builds his house, uh, in theory, if the guy does Teshuvah, he should have to take out the bricks, break the whole house apart, and give back the bricks. But that would ruin his whole house. So the Chachamim made a gezerah that even though in theory you should have to return the bricks, because the bricks are whole. But, in order to encourage Teshuvah, we allow the guy to pay the value of the bricks instead of giving back the bricks. That's the demand that How do we know that he's only entitled to the value of the skach and the the person who was stolen from does not have the right to demand his actual skach back? If so, making the sukapasum. Because we compared it to public property. Just like in public property, karka the dehu, the karka wasn't his. lav karka dehu, the wasn't his. So the stolen sukkah was not talking about a stolen sukkah where you stole the guy's bamboo alone, where the karka was be- belonged to a. No, the case was when you kicked the guy out of the sukkah where the karka belonged to B, and that's why we're talking about that case because just like in the reshut abim case, it was that the karka belonged to the public here too. In the stolen sukkah case, which is listed in the brighter right next to the to the case, just like the Roshut Arabim case was, you didn't own the karka, So too, the stolen sukkah you didn't own the karkah. Says in Ahu There was this old lady, the Kamed Rav Nachman, who came in front of Rav Nachman. Now, Rav Nachman had been sitting in a sukkah that was with the Resh Giluta. The Resh Giluta is a religious man who was the prince of Kali Yisrael in Babel. and Rav Nachum was in the sukkah and sukkot and she came in with a dramatic pronouncement. She said Amraleh, she told him Resh Giluta Ravanan, the the Resh Giluta, not just him and all the rabbis who are by the Resh Besukah They're sitting in a stolen sukkah Why? Because it seems like the servants of the Resh giluta had stolen her wood and since they had stolen her wood she was claiming that the whole sukkah is stolen and you're not being Yotam. Tzavcha v'lo <ashkech bah> She yelled and they ignored her. Now, what was she yelling? And why were they ignoring her? It's not nice to ignore a lady who's yelling. So Rashi explains that what she was yelling is that she doesn't want to accept the value of the bamboo itself. The servants had stolen her bamboo and it seems like the rabbis... I'm assuming apologized. It doesn't say they did, but I'm assuming they apologized and offered her the value of the bamboo on the, on the market. She was yelling that she didn't want them and she wanted the actual sukkah back, the actual stuff back, which would have ruined the sukkah. They ignored her. V'lo of Nachman. ignored her. Amraleh, So she told Rav Nachman. There's a lady whose dad had 318 servants, and she's yelling in front of you and you're ignoring him. Now, this is 318 servants, some will explain that her father was a wealthy man, but Rashi explains that she's referring to Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu, the Pasuk says, says he took with his, the people in his house uh, um, 318 people. So he said, my father had 318 service and you're ignoring what I'm telling you? Now, the reason why she's throwing in Abraham Avinu, some say is because Abraham Avinu, his argument with Lot was two things. Number one is, first of all, uh, Abraham Avinu came down to save lot to save lot from his who was bothering him how come you're not saving me from those who are bothering me the servants of a bee, of the reshkotah so she's evoking the memory of abraham Avinu because abraham Avinu used to sit went to save lot and they're not coming to save her alternatively she's criticizing the Reshkuta because specifically because of those servants. If you remember, in the Machloka with Lot, Abraham's servants were muzzle, muzzling their sheep, and Lot's sherv- servants were not muzzling the sheep. And therefore, Abraham was nikar because of the fact that not just how he acted, but how he made sure that anyone who's hired by him acts. And she's yelling that my father acted properly with his servants, and yet your servants stole my stuff. It's a nice point, but Ebenachman did not uh, follow that point Rav Nachman Rav Nachman said to the Reshkehutah I think this lady is a yeller Ve la ela she's only entitled to the Demet Seem, alone she's not entitled to get her actual thing, actual wood back because of the Takanah de Rabbanan Amr Avina Avina says Haikishura Kishura this Keshura uh, de this um, part of the Sukkah, which is stolen. The rabbis made a takana because we're worried about merish, we're worried that people won't do Teshuvah because they're worried that maybe they'll have to break the whole sukkah down if we make it that in order to do teshuvah you cannot just get away with paying the money but you'll have to actually dismantle the sukkah we're worried that people won't do won't do won't do teshuvah now um, it's the same thing when a guy builds a building we have the same idea is cheetah. Why should that be different than a regular case when a guy built a house where we know the rabbi's made a takana, that you don't have to return the item, you can return the value. I would have thunk. You might think when it comes to wood, it's common that you make it as part of the thing and it's hard to take apart because you're building a building. Right? Rahi says, it seems not bidamim she ten loze. Hillka Mishum Takan Sabim Lord Lig the g the gozel the ha nigzal mati mat matrachumzamen. Over here it's easy because it seems easy because you can always buy new ones. But over here where we're talking about in other words, we're asking a difference. We're saying, when it comes to a part of the sukkah that's in the walls, you might have thought that when it comes to ska, it's easy to find. So that's why we, the rabbis told the guy who got stolen from, that he's going to have to go find, go buy more bamboo. It's easy to find bamboo. But maybe when you're talking about parts of the sukkah, which is harder to find, maybe the rabbis didn't make the gezera, and they would make you this mantle, because Hazit, the guy who got stolen from it's hard to find, still we see the rabbis made the gizad. That's the Chidush. Tana, we learned in the Bright time. Yavesh, oh, I skipped something. Hold on. Hani, milvigo Go Shiva. Avalabata Shiva. Hada Be'ene. More says, this rule that you have takanata Shavim and you could return the money only, that's only during Sukkot. But if it's after the seven days of Sukkot and now you're anyway dismantling the Sukkah, and then you have to return the actual part itself. The stolen part must be returned because you're anyway return it. But if you had attached it with cement, then you could still give the money. So, in other words, if it's easily dismantlable, then the guy could insist on his rights of getting the part back because you're dismantling it. But if you Attached it with cement, then you have the right to leave it. Tana, we learned in the Mishnah. Yavesh pasul, a dried one is pasul. Rebidah machshir, Rebidah allows it. Amar Avar, Rebidah says, Machlokah de Rabanan, Machlokah is only by lulav. De Rabbanan says, Rebidah Lav etrog. holds that just like we learned that etrog is a pri etz hadar, has to be a beautiful fruit, so to do lulav, which is mentioned in the same pasuk also has to be beautiful and that's why a dried one is no good according to Tanakh according to Tanakhama just like the Tanakhama holds just like Etrog needs to be beautiful also love needs to be Hadar and that's why it does not work when it's dried Rida says he agrees it's not nice when it's dried but he says that we don't connect the love only Etrog has to be Hadar but not love I'll when it comes to to everyone agrees that it needs to be beautiful and if it's not beautiful even though it isn't Etrog it is Pasul everyone agrees according to this statement over him says are you claiming that does not require a to be beautiful and he doesn't make the connection how could you say such a thing right is that true? I'll show you a few different examples where he does agree that love needs to be beautiful. But now we learned to the Mishnah that you should tie it on the top. Look at whether you have to tie it. Uh, the Gemara over there is talking. If you look it up, The Mishnah was talking. If you have a case of nifridu alav, if you have a case where they uh, they spread up, spread out the leaves of the the lulav had spread out, Rida requires you to tie it back together. My Tama, why would he say say to tie it back together? After all, the Tanakama, it's a dekosher, and he's saying you have to tie it. Why would you have to tie it? That means he wants it to look nice. The only reason, if, it, if, he, if he agrees that it's a love, it's just not so nice. He wants you to tie it. So you see he requires Hadar. How can we say he doesn't? Says, He holds the word, which is the way the Pasuk describes a love. It says, it says Kapot temari. The word kafut could also mean tied up. And therefore he holds the word kafut means tied up. And therefore you love has to either look like it's all tied up like our loving do. But if it looks spread out, it has to be tied up in order to be kosher according to him. Whereas the other rabbis don't learn the word kapot to be like that. But he doesn't require it to be hadar. It just requires it to be kapot and therefore it's fine. We don't have a question. says, so like, Ah, Hadar does he not require Hadar again the same question again But Bhattan, didn't we learn? And You can only when you tie up your Lulav with your Hadas and your Arava, you can only tie it up with a Lulav branch, not with anything else. Devi Huda. That's the words of Yuda. Now, why does Yuda require it to be tied with the love branch? Isn't it because he wants it to look nice? And if you put another branch, it's not going to look nice. So, you see that he does require Hadar and he does connect it to it. requires Says, no, you can even use a part of the, of the date tree which is a sieve which grows around the bottom. It's like a netting that grows on the bottom. Or ikra de dikla. All these things are parts of the date tree which don't look like a lulav. And yet you could use it. So you see, it's not because it's going to look nice when you use the same thing, but rather because it has to be the same species. He holds the lulav, requires tying. So the tying is an essential part of the lulav. The tying of the of hadasim the aravot is essential. He holds the I achrina, and if you would bring another type of plant, like let's say you bring an acorn or something else, some other type of thing to tie it up with, how the meaning that would be five species, and you bring a lav, and a terog, hadas, and a and an acorn, so that's the problem. But if, you bring from, but if you bring from the species of date palm, so then it's not another species, then it's fine. And that's the reason why it has to be from the from the lulav branch, and it cannot be made out of anything else, not because it requires to be beautiful, because these are not beautiful, it's just because it can't be a, a fifth species. Says the Gemara, Now, we had understood till now that Ubidah requires hadar, beautiful beauty, by etrog, but not by lulav. Now, till now we've been trying to challenge that he does require... Beauty by a little love. Now we're challenging another way. Does he even require it at all by a trog? by These four species of the little love, the same way you're now allowed to lessen them, have, have only three species, you can't add to it either if you did not find it don't bring a pomegranate or a prish or some other type of fruit if it got withered your etrog started shriveling if it's completely dry even it's says even if it's dry it's okay that even a dried one's okay. Now, Rebidah, according to us, was saying that it requires to be hadar, and here he's is allowing even a dried one. And not only that, he's bringing a proof from a the story. There was a story, turn the page, please. Krahim, the people who lived uh, in a place in a city where they don't have access to any um, day trees. They used to have one lulaf. And they would inherit it to their grandchildren. So the same lulav, of course, is going to be completely dried out, is being passed on from person to person. And therefore we see, says Reb Yudah, to the Chachamim, that lulav can be dried. And if lulav can be dried, he was saying that uh, uh, etrog could also be dried. But we see from here that he does not require hadar, not for lulav and not for etrog. Amru, so the rabbi said back to him, Amru lo, is that your proof? And Shat ra'ya, the people in these places are in a tough situation. They're in a situation called Shat where they cannot get their hands on a fresh love. So it's, you can't bring a proof from them. That's what the Chachanim said back, there's no proof. Katani mir, but we see from here, Rida says, even if they're dry, they're kosher, even on a dog. So you see that he does require; it does not require a trog to be to be hadar. My luv a terug, lo alulav. Well, you think it's a terug? Mor says no; it's referring to a lulav, and therefore the lulav. Rabbi Yudah was saying, right? So, if we go back, don't bring your pesach reborn and not davar aher. Kimushin kishim yivishim b'sulim. Rabbi Yudah said, "Even yivishim are kosher," but that whole machloket we're explaining now is going only on. Lu Lavin. But when it comes to um, etrogim, etrogim must be must not be dried out, even according to Buddha. Okay. Now we said Amar Mor, we mentioned and and Kach and mostly female The same way you can't have three species, not four Minim. You also can't have five, not four sheet of course. Why would you think that you'll not have five? you might have thought, since who love needs to be tied, you might have thought, that since it needs to be tied, if you, right, if you bring another species, which is not tied, so then each one is separate, and therefore, it should be kosher. In other words, let's say I would have my... Lulav Mahadas Naravat tied like we always have it tied up. And I bring, let's say, a uh hyssop or some other type of thing that we use for paraduma, right? And I put the hyssop branch, the Ezov, together with the th- with the with the three. But I don't tie it in. The three are tied, and this is extra. So since your that holds that it does need tying, and this is not tied, you might have thought, okay, it's okay to just Slap it together with them, even though, even though it's a fifth species, because it's not tied and it needs to be tied. even though you didn't tie, you still can't do it. Aman more we mentioned. If you can't find the don't bring. If you can't find a dog, don't bring a pomegranate or some other type of perish uh, or some other fruit of course not why would you think you could just substitute anything you want I would have thought lately maybe we should bring a pomegranate if you can't get your hands on it at all you're in Siberia maybe you should bring a pomegranate this way your children who grow up know that this idea. you have to shake species they don't say I don't know my father never did any of that stuff at least they remember oh yeah my father was doing with a pomegranate but now we have it, so we'll do it but if you if you don't bring anything because you have no it everyone will forget about it we come to teach you no we're afraid that people will end up messing up from this because they'll say, oh, My father did a pomegranate. And then they'll actually use a pomegranate. And therefore, even not for the mitzvah, it's better not to do it. You might have thought that not for the mitzvah it's good to do it. The chidush is that even not for the mitzvah, not to get a mitzvah, it's better to avoid it than to do it. Tashma, we learned it in a writer. Etrog ha yashan pasul It says that if you have etrog that is old, it is pasul, but Yuda allows it. Now this is a real bomb on what we said, because we had said till now, that etrog that is... Etrog that is not hadar, Rabbi B'udah admits that it needs to be hadar, and here we seem to be saying that the Itrog does not need to be hadar, it could be dried according to B'udah, and therefore nothing needs hadar. This is a knockout on Rav, because Rav had said that it did need to be hadar, and here we see it doesn't. Here we see that if it's green like a leak, then the, the etrog is pasul, and Rabbi Uda, according to Rehuda, so how can you say Rabbi Uda doesn't need it to be beautiful? He's saying it's pasul but it's green, because it's not beautiful green. But he says, no. la is not Isn't it because he, the green is no good, because he requires it to be beautiful? pira. Really, the reason why he says it's no good, he doesn't require beauty in beauty, beauty etrog, according to Rehuda according the way we're learning now that we knocked that rubber it does not need to be beautiful so why is it no good if it's green the Gemara is saying it's not good if it's green because it's not fully developed and it needs to be fully developed green means it has to turn into a fruit a green is an unripe fruit and unripe fruit is no good because it's unripe not because it's not beautiful could it be that green is beautiful Tashma we learned after, after all said Amaka was green she was beautiful that was a joke Tashma Shi'ur etro katan The size of the smallest kosher etrog is as follows. Remera says ego is the size of a walnut, which is very small. Rida says ke'betza. It's like the size of an egg, which is a little bigger than that. Now, Rida is required to be bigger than a walnut why does he want to be bigger isn't it because he's requiring it to be beautiful and therefore it's not so beautiful if it's small like a nut and therefore we see that he's requiring hadar look tomorrow says that's because if it's again the same idea it's not considered fully developed and in order to be an etrog it has to be fully developed Tashma, we have another proof it says what's the largest size of a to be kosher you have to be able to hold two in one hand but if you can't hold two etrogim in one hand you're not yotzeh you can even have one in two hands be much bigger now the fact that you behuda is not allowing a huge watermelon sized is obviously because it looks weird. So you see, must be because Yehudah requires Hadar. So again, we have a question on our new statement that he doesn't require Hadar. Look, you see, he does require Hadar because he is not allowing such a huge watermelon-sized Etrog, the one that takes two hands. First word line we are now, the reason why we don't allow he doesn't allow a watermelon one is not because it's not beautiful it is beautiful or he doesn't care if it's not beautiful but the reason why he doesn't do it is because if you have ulav in the right hand and in the left hand sometimes you might have to switch it up and you'll end up switching them and you'll end up making a pasul, meaning since it 's in two hands, therefore you might you need two hands to hold it you might put the love in the wrong hand that 's the reason why it 's no good the gizilada you might put in the wrong hand but not not good not beautiful well if the way we're saying now, B'udah does not require even etrog to be hadar. So, but, but how do we get away with pasuk? Pasuk, why etrog says, Pri etz hadar. The only reason why one rabbi had connected it to, to etrog was because it says, Pri etz hadar ve kapot uh, Etrog, which is hadar, of a, the fruit of a hadar tree, and kapot terim. Since the next to each other, you, you, it might need to be hadar. But at least the etrog should have to be hadar. How can B'udah possibly say that etrog does not have to be beautiful? So it says the Gemara. The word hadar could mean beautiful. With the hey, hey, dalad resh means beautiful. But the word dalad resh alone is to dwell or to live. And therefore, hadar could be either the word beautiful or it's hadar, ha, hada, the, dar, the dweller. And if it's referring to the dweller, it means that the etrog is referred to as a fruit that dwells, which means most fruit fall off the tree after a certain amount of time when it's ripe. Whereas the etrog is the type of fruit that will live. It's the dweller, because it dwells on the tree as long as it... You leave it there, it'll dwell on the tree and will not fall off. And that's why it's called hadar, the dweller, not beautiful. And that's how he learns the pasuk, and therefore he does not require beauty at all, even in netrog. And that's how we're ending up. Ubidah does not require beauty, and the word hadar means it stays from year to year on the tree. We are now in the two dots, five lines from the bottom. Says the Gimara, if it's asherah, which is a tree that was worshipped, or it's from a city that needs burning, then it's pasuk. Mishnah had said that if you have it in these places, it is pasul, and we didn't say why. Again, asherah is a date tree that is worshipped. People worship it's so, pasul. Is it true that if you have one of a asherah tree, it's pasul, a from asherah tree? But Rav says that you shouldn't take an avodazar but if you took it, it's kosher. So you see... Even though it's asur hana, Rashi explains the reason why it's okay is because mitzvot are not given to have hana, and therefore when you do use something for a mitzvah, you're not getting benefit from that. You didn't get enjoyment to that, and therefore it's not a problem. Right, which is worse. And they, you shouldn't use it because it's aib to use that with but if you did it, it works. So you see that it's not Pasul. So how could we say Asherah is Pasul? Like, ah. <laughs> we're talking about the types of trees that were there in Moshe Rabbeinu's time. In Moshe Rabbeinu's time, when they conquered Eretz Israel, Yeshua's time actually, uh, there was a mitzvah to burn down every Asherah tree. And since something there's a mitzvah to burn these Asherah if you have an Asherah from Moshe Rabbeinu's time, it's considered gone because you were supposed to burn it. And since you didn't, since you're supposed to burn it, it's like, the, it's, like it's too small because since it's, it's like it's burnt already, and therefore it's too small, and therefore you can't use it. The katuti mechta it's missing the shiur. They I'll prove to you that that's what we're referring to. Because the Mishnah mentions it right next to Irani just like requires burning. So too, when we mention the tree it's referring to the Moshe, which also requires burning, and that's the reason why they're both not kosher because they're not, not because. It's avodah it per se, because it's too small. Because since it's supposed to be burnt, it's like it's burnt already. So if it's burnt, it's too small, it doesn't reach the size, and that's why you can't use it for love. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen. Thank you, everyone. And Bezat Hashem, this should be a achut for our sponsor, his wife and his son, Bezat Hashem. Just an interesting point. Um, we mentioned... That in this this city, they would um, the people in the city, rachin, would uh, inherit their lives to their grandchildren. Now, and the Gemara says you can't bring a proof. The Rabbis say back you can't bring a proof from a shata Now, when the people were were uh, shaking in the shata dahak, the question is: Are they being Yotzeh any mitzvah? If it's not Hadar, and the love needs to be Hadar, it can't be dried, so are they being Yotzeh? Or we say they're not being Yotzeh, and they're just shaking it. So there are some Rishonim who learn that's referring to they're not being Yotzeh, they're just shaking it. And it's not a proof because they're just shaking it. Others say, I think the Rosh is the one who says, that they are being Yotzeh. And the way they're being Yotzeh is because the idea of Hadar is, just has to be beautiful. Uh, Torah says beautiful. Now what's called beautiful? Torah leaves it to the Chachamim to decide what's called beautiful. And the Chachamim decide that in a town like this, this is called beautiful. And the way the, the Or Sameach explains him, he says that the reason why it's called beautiful in a town is because beauty depends on where you are. If you're in a town where there is no Lulavim, then any Lulav, even as dried as it might be, could still be called beautiful because it's beautiful beauty is in the eye of the beholder and therefore according to this Or Sameach, the Hadar of the Gemara would depend on the beholder itself and therefore since you're in a town where there's no other lulav the people will anticipate and love any lulav at all and a dry lulav would also be considered Hadar in that point whereas it would sound like if you'd have a dry lulav in a place with many lulavim then the dry lulav would not be kosher The the difference—it's Or Sameach—might be, and it could be that in general, our hadar might have to do with where you are, and therefore maybe we could take it a step further and say that our etrogim also, which need to be hadar according to most opinions, besides Rabbi at the end of the Gemara, would also depend on where you are, and if you're in a place with very few etrogim, and even etrog with a lot of spots might be considered hadar. On the other hand, if you're in place with beautiful etrogim, it could be, uh, maybe your etrog will be less hadar, even though it might be more hadar somewhere else. Baruch